The following podcast is a production of The Network. Check us out on BICBP-radio.com. Welcome to Cardboard Cave, your slightly confused podcast that's finding its way in this world. Sorry it's been, uh, oh, I'm Trevor, by the way, and my wife Anna is here, but we'll probably be in and out of this podcast as we try to find a way to make this work with our little uh, youngin, our little funyun youngin, a little fun size package of chips, whatever you want to call them. Because if you listen to the last episode, he uh, he was part of the reason that episode was just a struggle. Part of it was me. I was just struggling to describe the game without being extremely boring. Um, my wife was struggling. At one point, she literally banged a chair into the wall. I didn't realize. Actually, that's a funny story. Uh, <laughs> she's sitting here laughing at me. I thought she was banging a chair into the wall because our son was in his seat, which was strapped to the chair and she was carrying him and the chair while we're recording the podcast. And I thought she banged it into the wall. Come to find out she banged it into a brand new board game. I had sitting on the floor and put a pretty big gash in the box. So that would have been a funny thing to realize on the air if I wasn't struggling enough already. (laughs) But if you listen to the last episode, you either thought it was pretty hilarious, just all the distractions, all the, the times I was struggling just to get words out. Miles just trying to talk during the whole thing. Um, But it's been a couple of months since I've released an episode, and it's because it made me rethink things. You know, is this something people want to listen to? And I'm just being really honest right now. You know, we're a new family, and and, uh, I don't have anything brilliant to offer, except that I've been in this hobby a long time, longer than some people. Um, And... As far as a unique perspective, you know, what do we have to offer? And is it going to be worth people listening through the distractions and the me struggling to speak English well? Um, and I came to the conclusion that I'll just do whatever I want to do. And if I'm enjoying it, then other people will have fun. So this week, um, we're not doing a normal game review. This week, I came up with a topic, and it's a top 10 list because I have always loved top 10 list. It can literally be about anything. And I think I might get some enjoyment out of it. I don't know what it is about lists and ranking things. Um, And I know some people could care less about that, but I enjoy it a lot. And so I thought maybe to spice up our normal episodes, I would just come up with these lists and maybe top five sometimes, but top 10 lists on just different topics. It's something I love and hopefully some of you enjoy it too. But I'm still going to start out this episode with some recent plays. Like I said, Anna will be joining me on and off once we actually get to the list, if she has something to say. Um, But just a few minutes, some games we played since the last time we recorded. Um, Not actually all that many, considering it has been almost two months, I think, if I'm not mistaken. 
not quite two months, but it's been a month and a half or more. Um, and considering that, we've not played a ton. You know, that's just how it works for us. You know, I've been in this hobby, I think I decided it was something like 19 years, something like that. Yet, there's been long stints of time where I just don't play a whole lot. And I think it's that way for most people. Um, especially if you don't have like a normal gaming group and it's just the people in your life you play with, there's seasons for things. Um, but thankfully we have played some games in the last month and a half. Um, Ticket to Ride Pennsylvania. Just hop right into it. You know, we're pretty big Ticket to Ride fans. At this point, I guess you could say we're Ticket to Ride apologists because apparently it's not cool as a heavy gamer to enjoy Ticket to Ride. I say fooey to that. Ticket to Ride is a classic for a reason. It's fun. Yes, it has lots of luck. There's chance. There's randomness. But your decisions do matter. A truly experienced player will smoke a newbie, as I've witnessed, as the newbie <laughs> compared to the person I lost against. <clears throat> Sorry, on top of uh, making you wait a month and a half for a new episode, I'm also sick at the moment. I don't know if you can hear this frog in my throat. My wife is also sick which is one reason I'm not making her sit in front of the microphone for the whole time. <clears throat> not that I can make her do anything anyways, but you know. It's just um, Ticket Ride. We, we enjoy it. And Ticket Ride Pennsylvania is part of the double map pack. It's the UK and Pennsylvania. And both of those maps, I think, are just awesome. UK is probably the most different and most complex version of Ticket Ride out there. I actually think it's probably more different than the Rails and Sales version that came out recently, which is which just has more going on. But I think the UK map is even more so. But we played the Pennsylvania side of the map. And it is basically straightforward ticket to ride plus stock cards. You're collecting stocks in these different railroads. And it's super simple. You know, whenever you lay a path, you have a choice of stocks to collect, depending on what route you claimed. And um, then at the end of the game, you go by majorities. And like the, uh, I can't remember the names, but the Black Railroad stock might pay out a huge amount for first and second place. <clears throat> Whereas the blue one might only pay out a few points, but there's less cards to collect, so you can get the majority much easier. And it is enough of a twist that it makes Ticket to Ride feel different, but there's very little new rules to learn. And that is what I love about the best Ticket to Ride maps. And I think the UK and Pennsylvania map pack is almost essential if you're a Ticket to Ride fan and you have either the base game or Europe, um, which is compatible with any of the expansion maps. <clears throat> I think that this is almost essential. Um, that being said, uh, we also played, or I played Jaws. Jaws is a game based on the movie. It's a game that I've actually heard pretty good things about for a licensed game. And my friend Adam brought it over, and me and uh, Adam and Johnny and my brother there, we all played it. Uh, actually, it's for Johnny's birthday, which has been uh, a month ago at this point. But it was it was actually a lot of fun. I mean, it was it's a game that has two halves, and I can't say the two halves necessarily feel like they completely seamlessly go together. But both halves worked. Um, and the first part, basically, is the shark who is trying to invade everyone else. And you're trying to locate the shark so you can blow it up, basically, with barrels. Um, so it's one versus all, I should say that. 
And so in the first part, the shark player is sort of the one who's nervous. But then in the second part, it's the shark attacking the boat. And the shark is destroying the boat. And it's everybody else that feels kind of um, like they are struggling. And I think I actually enjoy the second half more where it's everybody on the boat and the sharks destroying the boat. It's so thematic. But that's the word I'll use for this game. It is so thematic. I don't think it's a brilliant game design, but it's an extremely solid game design that just feels so thematic without huge <clears throat> huge rules overhead. And that's from someone who, and I know this is a sin probably, but I've never actually seen Jaws. I respect it. I know about it. I know how big of a deal it is. But for whatever reason, to this day, I still haven't seen the movie, which is ridiculous. I realize that. But uh, I think if you're a Jaws fan, this is a no-brainer. Um, uh, Turning Taxis. Um, that's spelled T-U, or sorry, T-H-U-R-N and Taxis, T-A-X-I-S. And this is a game about the German postal system, which sounds incredibly boring, but it's a classic I remember when this game came out, it was compared to Ticket to Ride, and people sort of like, it's sort of like the Sega versus Nintendo thing, except on a much smaller level. People were like, oh, Turn of Taxis is so much better than Ticket to Ride. And some other people were like, no, uh, it's just a ripoff of Ticket to Ride. The funny thing, all these years later, because I've had this game for over a decade, all these years later, the thing is, it's really not much like Ticket to Ride at all. It's its own game. The only thing that's really even similar is you are technically making routes on a map, but it doesn't feel the same at all. The only thing that's really similar is when you're picking cards, it has a similar setup to Stick Drive where you pick from the face-up pile or the face-down pile, then you replace it. That's really it. It's a very different game. It's a very simple game. Basically, it's coming down to playing this uh, route in front of you that's saying all the different cities you want to go to, and then you basically activate the route, and you say, okay, I'm going to activate my route now. And you actually put your houses down on all the cities you visited. And basically, it comes down to trying to get <clears throat> majorities in a certain region, um, or all the cities in a certain region, or having at least one house in every region on the board. You know, things like that. That's where the points come from. And it's a very different game. It's the kind of game I feel like they don't make anymore. It's extremely streamlined, extremely simple, but there's genuine thought involved. It's a, it's a good light-to-light-medium Euro game that feels like something they don't make anymore. But I, I really enjoyed it, and my wife really enjoyed it. Sadly, this is the first time she'd ever played it, though I've owned it for longer than we've been married. Um it's the first time she'd played it, and the first time I've played it in probably close to 10 years. It's sad. It's a, it's a good game. <clears throat> and then finally, the most recent game we played, and the game that's still set up on the game table, that I'm hoping we get a chance to play today, if I don't get called into work, which um, you hear a little nervousness in my voice. It's, it's mostly because my throat is sore. <laughs> I'm sick. But also, I'm a little nervous about getting called into work. Hopefully that doesn't happen. Um, but Concordia. Concordia is one of those games that I've heard about for years. Um, I think it came out. I should have the box here, but I don't. I want to say 2013, so you know it's seven years old, give or take. I've heard about it for years. It's like it keeps getting more and more popular. It has the reverse um, effect of most board games. It's rising up in the ranks. It keeps getting more popular every year, it seems like. Uh, they released multiple, multiple map packs. <clears throat> Sorry, my voice is really breaking. <laughs> 
I'm really realizing how bad it is now that I'm speaking. Um, my throat has been just rough the last couple days, and it's affected my voice. Um, but anyways, I finally decided to give it a try, despite the boring name, despite the kind of plain box, despite the fact that there's nothing about the theme that really even makes a lot of sense. Um, what is it about, even? Uh, <laughs> Concordia? It's about, sorry, that's my phone ringing, but it's not work. It gave me a heart attack, though. Um, it's about developing Rome. We'll just say that. But basically, what Concordia is, is a game that I'm not even going to try to explain right now, because I'll probably do a full episode on it at some point. All I'm going to say about it now is, if you are a, if you consider yourself a gamer, and you like Euro games, and like a medium weight Euro game, for example, if you played Agricola, or Lahav, or pretty much anything by Stefan Feld, you know, if you're that kind of gamer, this is definitely something you can handle. And the first thing you're going to be shocked about is, holy cow, there's only four pages of rules. Genuinely, there are only four pages of rules for Concordia, which is amazing <laughs> for a middleweight. And it's truly, I would say, a, a good, solid middleweight Euro game. Maybe even mid-heavy, based on just complexity of decisions and everything. But there's only four pages of rules, and they're not condensed. There's examples. There's good examples. There's pictures. And it's only four pages of rules. It's, that's amazing. You know, it's been, I guess, two weeks now since we played, and I still am ready to go downstairs and play it without looking in the rule book, which I can't say about every middleweight Euro game. So I'm just going to say right now, what I love about Concordia is how streamlined it is. It's just very, it just works. I mean, despite the fact that the thing doesn't really help because the thing doesn't make a lot of sense, you're basically, what you're doing is you're collecting resources and then selling those resources or turning them into other resources to uh, to get better cards. But it's just, I don't know how to try to explain it in a short amount of time. But I'll just say, I'll leave you with this. If you've not played Concordia, the amazing thing about it, and this is not an exaggeration, literally all you can ever do on a turn, on any turn, is play one card and do everything that is listed on that card. That's it. That truly is your turn. Of course, that is still going to lead to some meaty decisions because when you play which card, and it's not a game with a ton of cards. This is not Dominion. No, this is not, not Light lot deck building elements, but it's not really a deck builder because you have your whole hand all the time until you play it. <clears throat> um, it's just a clever, clever game. It's not quite like anything else I've played. And I'll say my first play, I really wasn't sure I was going to love it. I liked it, but I didn't, despite the fact that the game was so easy to teach and understand, I didn't know if I was doing well or not. Even by the end of the game, I really didn't know, am I doing what I should be doing? But thankfully, we played it a second time pretty quickly after that, and I just loved it so much more the second time. It, it just worked. <clears throat> so that's what I'm looking forward to playing more, and we'll see. Uh, I like it enough. I've actually already bought an expansion map that uh, is specifically for two players, um, and I'll report on it later. But with my voice breaking rapidly, I think it's time to get into the topic. The top ten... Worst games I've ever played. 
Okay. Anna might join me if, if she sees fit. As she, if I mention a game <laughs> and she has any opinion on it at all, I told her just come on in and talk into the microphone. Leaving that up to her. Our little man's being really good right now. He's walk, crawling around. Well, <laughs> he's nine months old and he's still not quite crawling, but he finds a way to get around. Um, <clears throat> so uh, I'm just going to get into it. So I just want to be very clear up front. I'm not trying to be a hater. I just enjoy top tens. And for some reason, it's fun to talk about terrible things sometimes. If you listen to Retro Bliss, which is the video game podcast I do with Johnny, um, it's just fun sometimes to talk about terrible things. And it's not to bash those things. It's to learn from it. And, well, maybe to bash it a little bit. <laughs> and I've not played probably the truly worst games in the world. These are just games I've played that for some reason I did not like. <clears throat> Maybe a more appropriate term for this list would be top 10 games that I personally hate, but I hate to use that word hate, um, despite just using it three times. So I just said worst games. Let's just get into it. The number 10 worst game that I've played, and uh, I think this list, what it shows me, is I've actually been pretty well protected. Um, if these are the worst games I've played, I think I've done okay. Because uh, if I'm being honest, I know there's a lot worse games than anything I have on this list. But I'm just being honest. Ones I've actually played and have experience with. <clears throat> Number 10. Um, and I'm going to say the first five, I don't really even hate. I really don't. The top five, once we get to those, I'll be honest, I hate them. <laughs> I just hate them. The first five here, I don't really hate, but number 10 is Boom Boom Balloon. Uh, actually, I think Anna probably does have experience with this. Um, but Boom Boom Balloon is barely even a game. I almost hate to put it on here, but I just looked at all the games in my collection, or that I've played at some point, and I had to put this one at number 10, because as a game, this basically does not exist. Literally, all you do on a turn is roll a die. And the die will tell you if you have to click a stick, it's like a chopstick sort of, into this device, which is basically a torture device, which is holding an inflated balloon. It's just a regular balloon. You blow it up with your mouth. You don't need helium. You blow it up, tie it up, put it in this little device, and you click these sticks. And you might have to click one stick or two or even three sticks. Or it might even be more than that. I can't remember. Depending what you roll on the die. And it's basically like that game Hot Potato that people used to play, I think. Um, you basically don't want the balloon to blow up on you. And uh, this is a number 10 because it is fun in a terrible way. It's fun because everybody's sweating. Everybody's just kind of nervous the whole time. There's this uncomfortable tension, but it's not tension because of any decisions you're making. It's purely tension because you don't want the balloon to blow up on you. And the best part about this game... It doesn't sound like I'm talking about the worst games right now, does it? And there's a reason this one's just number 10. Because there is an excitement, a nervous excitement during this game. And every time without fail, the person that makes the balloon blow up will jump. It's just going to happen. But as a game, it's atrocious. You're just rolling a die and doing what it says. There are no good decisions. Your only decision is which stick you want to click in. But what you won't find on this list or any of these games that Hasbro has been pumping out in the last couple years, like Pie Face, where you're loading, you're throwing a pie in somebody's face, basically. You're basically laughing at someone else's misfortune, and I just don't find that particularly funny. 
Um, maybe one time, but not over and over. I know Hasbro has a bunch of games now where you're that are poo themed, like catch the poo, don't step in the poo. <clears throat> to me, Boom Boom Balloon is way better than those because at least it has a a natural funny tension that isn't belittling anyone or making anyone feel stupid. It's just a balloon that might blow up. So, but it's my number ten worst game because it is still terrible as a game. Uh, basically, Anna said, "What'd you say?" She hates it. She actually wouldn't even play it. And that's fine because she had to go in the other room and made her so tense. Um, which I think says something for what it is. <laughs> but that's all it is. It's just tension and nothing else. Number nine is also a game I absolutely do not hate. And there's a reason it's all the way back here at number nine. I have good memories of playing this game actually over at my grandma's house. Um, before we ever discovered hobby games. It was just traditional card games and stuff. But my number nine is phase ten. Phase 10 is a is actually an okay activity if you don't have anything better to do. My wife actually just sighs. She's like, oh, I think she feels bad for Phase 10. Again, it's a number nine. I've had a pretty protected life because I don't hate this game. And it's in my top 10 worst games I've played. I don't hate it at all. Phase 10 is just one of those games that it wouldn't make it today as a game because it doesn't know when to end. 10 phases is entirely too many when literally every phase... All you're doing is trying to be the first to complete a run of six cards or two sets of four or three pairs, whatever it is. And eventually, once it gets all the way up to phase 10, you have to get rid of all 10 cards. And I can't remember if it's like a run of 10 or two sets of five. I can't remember what it is. But eventually, when you get all the way up to phase 10, you're having to get rid of all your cards. Really, though, from at least the way we played it, and I'll admit, we sometimes, when I was young, played games by the wrong rules by house rules. But from what I remember, there's really no decisions to make. You're just hoping you draw better cards and you hope you draw what you want faster than everybody else. Um, but it's still fun when you make your phase. So I can't hate it. It's just my number nine worst game because as a game design, it's pretty poor by today's standards and it goes on way too long, but I don't hate it. So it's number nine. Number eight. Okay, so this one is a modern game. This is a modern game um, with a Board Game Geek rating of 6.3 out of 10, which if you know the Board Game Geek website, people in there are very harsh. If a game is in the 7s, it's considered a success. It's considered a really good game. If the game reaches an 8 out of 10 on their scale, it's actually probably one of the best games of the year. I mean, that's, that's the kind of scale they go on. People are just very harsh with the ratings on that website. Um, I think the highest rated game on there is still under a 9 overall. That's how harsh it is. Um, so Nyctophobia is the game. Nyctophobia. Which I think... Actually, no, I'm, I'm not going to say... I think that's just Fear of the Dark. But I'm not going to... Don't quote me on that. It might be something darker than that. Uh, Nyctophobia is rated 6.3. And obviously I disagree with that rating or wouldn't be on this list. But basically, this is a game I've only played once. And it's about an axe murderer... It's not grizzly or anything, because all it is, it's a pretty cool-looking game. It's a box with plastic pieces, like trees and things. And there is one person who's the axe murderer and trying to catch everybody else. And everyone else is literally blindfolded the entire game. Okay, so right there's my first problem. Only the one person who's against everybody else even sees the game. 
Nobody else even sees the game. And it's a pretty cool looking game, but who cares? Because three three out of four people don't even see it. Um, I don't know. I found this game to be arrogant. Arrogant is what I was using for it. It thinks it's so clever, and I just don't think it is. Um, it's, it's basically, uh, what do they call it? It called itself an experiential tabletop game. I don't know. I just don't think it, it is. All, it is all that. Um, basically the, the four players or how many ever you are have to feel their way around the board and the ax murderer actually has to guide their hand sometimes. So it's awkward. My brother was playing the bad guy on this one and he actually had to guide my hand to my piece. So I know where to start. And to me, that kind of takes you out of the theme of the game when the so-called axe murderer is taking you by the hand to help you get started. Um, and I'll be honest with you, I just sat there thinking, you know what this is? This is just four people sitting in total darkness, waiting until they get to do something, wishing they could interact with people, wishing they could see their friends at the table or see the game. I was utterly bored playing this game. Um... And it was awkward. I just felt awkward the whole time and bored. And uh, this is this is a game, though, of every game on this list, this is one that I think some of you listening to, the, to this right now would really enjoy this game. If anything I just explained to you sounds awesome, you might enjoy it. But I thought it's a cool idea, but it was just incredibly boring and awkward just waiting around for your turn. And uh, they gave you, it's like a sleep mask. You can't see anything. You can't see anything through these things. So you're just sitting there in total silence and darkness. Well, not silence, but darkness, waiting for your turn. And it's supposed to be creepy and atmospheric, but it's just just awkward and boring to me. <clears throat> Number seven. Okay. And I might have something to say about this one. And I want to be clear. I'm just going to spoil it. Monopoly is not on my list. For one reason... I can't tell you the last time I played an actual game of Monopoly by the correct rules. I don't feel like I can fairly put it on this list. And plus, everybody else hates on Monopoly, and I doubt it's actually one of the 10 worst games I've played. However, Monopoly Jr. is my number seven. And again, it's all the way at number seven, because the truth is my brother and I enjoyed this game back when we were kids. We had a lot of fun with it, moving the cars around, playing with the fake money. But what I realized as an adult is this game allows zero decision-making. And I don't just mean it's a light game or it's a kid's game. I mean, it doesn't allow the child to make any decisions. According to the rules we had for the version we had, I mean, they might have updated it by now because this game is still available. But Monopoly Jr. tells you to roll the dice, you must move the full amount, then you must do whatever the space says, then it's the next person's turn. There's no trading, there's no negotiation, there's no deciding, no, I don't want to buy this property now. No, you have to buy it. You have to roll the full amount. There are no decisions. And Monopoly Jr. has a 4.3 rating on Board Game Geek, and I think that's more than fair. Um, uh, I don't know. I just felt, I felt like realizing that this game doesn't respect children enough to let them make at least a little, have a little agency, you know? And I, and I got to call Hasbro out for that a little bit. Even their games they're making today, so many of their children's games don't give children any respect at all. I mean, no, I, I don't expect my son to be playing Agricola with me when he's five years old. If he does, awesome, but I don't expect that. I sure couldn't have played it at five years old, I'll tell you that much. But I expect him to be able to make some decisions on his own. And um, 
that's something this game doesn't allow. So for that, it earns my number seven spot. <clears throat> Monopoly Junior. <laughs> Anna's riveted by this conversation. She asked me what game I was talking about. Um, I think she's already talked about Monopoly, regular Monopoly before. She's not a fan. My number six is by far, by far the coolest looking game on this list. And that's probably why it's on this list, because of the disappointment. That's Pirates of the Spanish Main. Pirates of the Spanish Main, it's a game. It has little decks of cards, but instead of cards, they're buildable ships. They're made out of like this thick card material, and you build the ships. You actually build them, and they're very cool looking. They actually go together very well. Surprisingly durable. It's almost like a credit card material, if I remember correctly. This was a game that I and my brother and my cousin Cameron got into before we quite discovered the true modern tabletop gaming, before we discovered hobby games. We got into the Pirates of the Spanish Main. Or maybe it was after. You know what? It might have been after. I don't remember for sure. But it was around that time. But I just remember being, even even then, without playing all the great games I played now, being so disappointed when we actually played the game. And there was no reason, with the way originally written, there was no reason to actually battle. You know, your pirates. These pirate ships have different stats, from what I remember. They have cannons on them. What all came down to was who could get from point A to point B because the quickest. Now they, I think they have improved this game since then. So if you enjoy this game, you know, get on Facebook or Instagram and follow Cardboard Gabe and tell me how cool it is now. But in that very first iteration when it first came out, we were so let down that this awesome little game just came down to just the rules were just a mess. Like there was just no game there from what I remember. I give the awesome ships a 9 out of 10, but the game, not so much. Um, build itself as the world's first constructible strategy game. Um, the booster packs were sold with two ships and an island piece. There's actually like a little island. And this awesome little tiny die. It's the cutest little die you've ever seen in your life. And it was a, it was a bargain. Like you got two ships, an island, and a die. And complete rules to the game in every pack. And it was not that expensive. I just wish I wish they had worked on the game a little longer. Because it was such a cool idea. This one does have a rating of 6.1 on Board Game Geek, which is really respectable. So I wonder if it has improved uh, in rules since the original release. Because it was not a 6.1 when we played it. Alright, so that's my number 6. Now we're getting into the big 5. And I'll be honest with you, these 5 have varying levels of hatred from me. And I hate to use that word. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> I hate to use that word. But but I don't know. I kind of hate these games. So let me take another sip of tea and we'll get into it. My number five, I'll make it short and sweet because nobody knows about this game. Probably nobody's ever heard of it. It's called Hack Attack. And Hack Attack, you're supposed to play the role of a hacker. I guess, I like a computer hacker. And the board is basically a tic-tac-toe board. And you have these little cool-looking plastic pieces that are like triangles and different shapes. Um, and you're basically just trying to get, uh, I think it was three or four in a row. Um, 
so tic-tac-toe is recognized, officially recognized as a broken game. The tic-tac-toe by the rules. Excuse me. It's a colony in here, I'm, I'm telling you. You do not want to come visit the cave right now. There's just sickness everywhere. But tic-tac-toe is a broken game. Because the, first, the person who goes first will win unless they make a stupid mistake. The problem is hack attack is a game that has a separate set of rules. It's its own thing. Should have known better. But me and my brother played this game and kind of enjoyed it. And then we realized something. Wait a minute. The person who's going first is always winning. And, and even with our little puny minds, we were able to figure out, huh, the person who goes first will win if they don't mess up. It's a broken game. It's got a 4.1 on Board Game Geek. I imagine that's just because a few people haven't played it enough to realize it's a broken game. Hack is an ultimate fail for actually being a broken game. <clears throat> now, you know there's a problem with the top four on my list if a broken game is only my number five. And that's because I really don't even hate Hack Attack. It's just it's a dumb, broken game. <laughs> the next four, for varying reasons, have earned a special place in my heart as just being something I never want to even see again. I don't even want to see these games again, much less play them. Um, I hate them worse than a game I declared as broken. That that should tell you something. Number four, with a board game geek rating of 4.7, which I think is entirely too high, although that is low. That is In a Pickle. In a Pickle. has this pitch line on the box. Does a sofa fit in a shopping cart? <clears throat> that's because In a Pickle is a game where you play a card and you try to make an argument that this item will fit inside this other item. For example, a sofa will fit inside a house, but will it fit inside a Ford Mustang? And you probably already see the problem if you have any intelligence at all. Well, it depends. Uh, uh, what kind of sofa is this? You know. Or will a sofa fit in a shopping cart? Well, sure it will if you turn it on its end, but it'll probably fall over and kill somebody. But does it still fit? I mean, it's, it's all this game is is arguments, arguments, arguments. And if you play it with someone who is competitive, which was unfortunately what I experienced, someone who just has to win every game no matter what, they will drive you insane with this game because you can argue anything, will fit inside anything if you go crazy enough. Um, and so I, I hate this game for just inspiring arguments without any good reason. It's like arguing about where you're going to eat when really it doesn't matter. Just go eat somewhere. This is a, it's a silly argument that doesn't make any difference. Um, and it's just boring if you're not competitive. And if you are competitive, you're just going to make everybody mad at the table. Ugh. So that's number four in a pickle. Number three. Um, number three is by far, I would say, the most popular game. Let me make sure. Yeah, today, in 2020, number three is still a very, very popular game. And some of you listening may enjoy it, and that's fine. Please don't let my little pea brain <clears throat> affect you at all. But... Number three is Cards Against Humanity. There's two reasons I don't like this game. 
which by the way has a 6.0 on Board Game Geek, which blows my mind. The first reason I don't like it, um, let me give this little antidote. Fred Durst of Limp Biscuit fame, he staged his comeback, his his uh, his return to popularity back, I don't know, some years ago, <clears throat> by covering a song by The Who, uh, Behind Blue Eyes, uh, you probably heard it. It was a cool. It was a good song. It's probably the best song Limp Bizkit's ever done. But that's because it was not their song. It was by the Who. And no, I mean they got permission to do it. I'm sure it wasn't anything illegal. But it just bothers me when somebody gets popularity over someone else's idea. Cards Against Humanity is very much apples to apples. Apples to apples was a party game that was kind of a big deal. It was kind of revolutionary. Apples to Apples almost made my list because <laughs> I do not enjoy that game. The reason Apple Apples to Apples didn't make my list is because it actually it was uh, it was an influential game and it was fun as long as you didn't play it too often for a while. Cards Against Humanity just rips off the whole concept of Apples to Apples, but makes it incredibly vulgar. Now here's my problem: people there's people who enjoy being vulgar because they just think it's funny. But you can be vulgar by cussing, you know, by, by swearing. And if you're with other adults and there's no kids in the room, I don't think anybody has any reason to stop you. You know, just have fun. Do what you want to do. That's fine. It's not my thing, but whatever. But this game doesn't just use vulgarity. It intentionally is hurtful and offensive and tries to make that funny and beats it into the ground. I'm not talking about being overly politically correct. I just mean if you're a decent person... At some point, you got to stop laughing at these things. Uh, just based on the actual synopsis from the game, <clears throat> it tags itself as a party game for horrible people. And I have to argue, maybe that's true. Um, it encourages players to poke fun at race, religion, gender, poverty, abortion, and child abuse. Okay, I'm just going to leave that there. That's my number three, Cards Against Humanity. So what could be worse than a game that tags itself as a game for horrible people? <laughs> My number two is Battle of the Sexes. Battle of the Sexes has a board game rating of 3.5, which distinguishes itself as the worst game on this list, according to board game users. Yes, worse than a game where you're just popping balloons. Worse than a broken tic-tac-toe variant. <clears throat> Battle of the Sexes is an incredibly sexist and lousy trivia game. And I never would have thought that sexist part was true. <laughs> I thought, yeah, whatever. Until I played the game. And I'm saying this as a man, the men's questions were so much easier. Like, the questions we got as men were so much easier than the women's questions. Like, it's, uh, it made it way harder on the girls. Like, they didn't have a chance of winning. It's also interminably long, um, and it's broken as a trivia game. Like, we just had to stop eventually. We couldn't finish. Now, this game's been around for ages. They probably released different versions. I don't care. Um, as a man, I could answer, you know, joke all you want to, but the questions we were asked, they're supposed to be women stuff like cooking and, I don't know, child rearing and books. Again, you might see the problem here for playing this game in a modern age. 
I can answer those questions easier than I can answer the questions that the women were given about men. It would be stuff like very specific auto repair questions that probably aren't even relevant <laughs> anymore. It would be very specific things about maybe sports players from a specific season of a specific team. Um, and none of the men at the table could answer the women's questions. And the women couldn't either. I mean, it was just, it was, it was unfair and broken as a trivia game. And, you know, even as a guy who was winning because our questions were easier, I was still frustrated for the women. It was terrible. Um, my wife played this game with me. And I think she loved it. She's not paying attention to me. She did not love it. Let's make that clear. Stupid game. That's what she said. Thank you, honey, for that. Okay. I guess we need a drum roll. Da 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 da. -da. That's all you get because this game doesn't deserve more than that. My number one most hated game has a board game geek rating of five point three. Anna says she knows what it is. Because I've talked about this game before. And I'm just going to say straight up that I personally know multiple people who really enjoyed this game. It came out, it's probably been 10, 12 years ago. Really enjoyed this game. And this is not personal to any of them. I hate this game with an undying passion. I hate what it stands for. I hate what it is. I hate, I hate playing it. It's my most hated game. That is Quelf. Quelf is a party game that I think was developed by some like youth group, like a church youth group leaders. Um, and they should have kept it with their youth group. It was probably fun for them, but they made it into a product and this product was sold in mass quantities. You could find this game in stores at Walmart and other department stores at your toy store. This game was popular. <clears throat> it builds itself. As an unpredictable party game that gives random a new name. I guess that's fair. It gives random a new name. So this game tries to force unfunny people to be funny. And that's why I hate it. <sighs> okay, so here's the thing. And this might sound... If you listen to Retro Bliss, you know that me and my friend Johnny have a propensity for being stupid. We just act really ignorant sometimes. Maybe because we are ignorant. Um... But it's because we want to do it. It's of our own free will. Guess what? I'm not an artist. I don't try to draw paintings. You know, I don't try to sell my art. My friend Johnny is an artist. He does. That's fine. There's things I can do that he doesn't necessarily do. That's fine. If you're not a funny person, if you're not a comedian, don't. You're not going to be funny because a game forces you to be funny. Um, the game's also unhygienic. I remember some of the things that makes you do. Um, I feel like there was one that had you put underwear on your head. I don't know if they had to be dirty, but, you know. I think it was one that had you put a sock in your mouth. It tries to make you do these funny things. Um, but it just is so painfully forced. I just hate everything about it. I hate everything it represents. In some ways, I mean, although it itself was sort of a ripoff of games like Cranium, I think it took it a step further and in some ways inspired this new generation of games we have where you're just throwing pies in each other's faces and trying to not step on poop and just doing ridiculous random things that shouldn't even qualify as a product you pay money for. 
But I want to end on a positive note. My voice is gone for one thing. But I want to end on a positive note. I recommend for you several games to play besides Quill. Say Anything is actually a very similar style party game. But it lets you be creative and actually get to know people. And also really, really funny. Um, Killustrations is a game where you don't have to have a lick of talent in your body. It's all about drawing. Drawing and then trying to figure out what somebody else drew. And then by the time it gets back around you, you see how much your drawing has changed. From maybe you tried to draw a Ford Mustang. By the time it gets back to you, it's a person having a bowel movement. I mean, it's it's ridiculous what people can get out of a picture. Uh, Why did the chicken? Why did the chicken is a game all about writing punchlines to jokes. And to be fair, it's probably one that if you're not creative at all, you may not get much out of it. But if you are, it's really fun. Balderdash or Beyond Balderdash, I believe they're the same thing now. It's a game that's been around for generations, and it's still sold today, I believe. And it's actually really good and creative. Like, it might have you, it might give a plot synopsis for a really random movie, and then you'd write down a movie name and try to trick everybody else into thinking that you wrote the actual movie name, but instead you just totally made it up. Or you might be writing the definition for a word, or uh, something like that. Those were all good choices instead of Quelf. And really, you could probably find better options than any of the 10 games on this list. But hey, if you enjoy any of them, get on our Facebook or Instagram, Cardboard Cave. Tell me why I'm uh, really not a smart person. And uh, hey, if you enjoyed this episode, let me know. Um, We're still finding our way as a podcast. I think I've realized that I don't want to just sit here and talk about the rules to a game for 15 minutes. But I do want to talk about games. Um, I just I think there's enough podcasts out there that follow the exact same format and do the same thing every week. That if you're going to use your time on a podcast, you deserve something different. And I'm really transparent if that's not obvious. And so I would actually love some feedback. And um, hey, review us on iTunes. Review us for the potential you think we could have, not necessarily for what we've produced so far. Um, go to iTunes, Cardboard Cave. Even if you don't use iTunes, I would appreciate it. Apple Podcasts, whatever they call it. I'm not really tech savvy. I can barely press the record button this thing. So, for Anna, who's been a very big part of this episode, and for me, Trevor, and for our son, Miles, who is cooing in the background, maybe you hear him, have a great time. See yourself out the cave. Uh, don't forget your shoes. It's a little wet out there today. And uh, we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.